me for today. I will be bringing the word of God. Holy Spirit will speak. So, <laughs> so let's pray. Father, we thank you. Lord, we just we just give you honor. We give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that you you love us so much and and um, yeah, Lord, you are you are great. You are faithful. We ask, Father, that you will just anoint every ear to hear what it is you are saying, Lord, because only your word can change us. And if we surrender to you, we will see that change happen in our lives. So we surrender everything now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's go to John chapter 4. And we will start at verse 46 through 54. I'm happy to have my mother-in-law here. This, this was an unexpected surprise. Pleasure surprise. But <laughs> John chapter 4, verses 46 through 54. And I will read now. So he came again to Cana. In Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, Come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. It's important to remember that. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed in all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Brom, he, Brom preached a message, I think it was a few weeks ago now how um, Jesus being the incarnate word relied heavily and took seriously the written word of God. And it was incredible. Um, It's amazing because as I've even been looking at this message and even after DMS realizing that the mark of a Christian is really not how cool we think Jesus is. It's it's not a trend. It is not um, whether he was politically correct or impolitically correct. It has nothing to do with the way we perceive ourselves in terms of how cool we look. The mark of a Christian is discipleship. The DNA of a Christian 
is, are you a disciple? That, that is what matters. So the name or the title of my message today is actually, Jesus Knows How to Make Disciples. As the church, we have to follow more, and we actually have to follow the word of God and not base what God does on our experience. Can't be about that. Signs and wonders are important, but the signs and wonders follow those that believe. We can't base our experience or the, the, the way we see God cannot be based on our personal experience. Experience is important, but it is not our foundation. My experience gives me or adds to the validity of my relationship with God, but it is not the center of my faith because the center of my faith has to be the word of God. So let's look at this passage of scripture First of all, let's start with the statement. Jesus makes a statement, and he, and he tells the man, unless you actually see signs and see miracles, you won't believe. And this is what it was in the Jewish community. They looked for signs. The Greeks, they looked for wisdom. But the Jews, they looked for signs because if they saw something, then they could attach their belief to it. But you have to understand, miracles... And signs and wonders do not make a disciple. It doesn't happen that way. You can even look at when Jesus came out of the grave and then he ascended into heaven. And the Bible talks about when Paul says there were at least 500 people that saw him ascend. But Jesus gave one command and he told everyone that saw him, he said, go into town and wait until you are given with power till you have been endued to power has come upon you because in order, in order for you to do the work that you need to do you need to have the power that I have so he told them to wait he gave them a word so how is it that 500 people see Jesus they see this amazing sign they see this wonder they see this miracle and yet only 120 make it to the upper room you got to follow the word of God. So Jesus makes a statement and he tells this man, this official, unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. It's amazing because a miracle, it does draw people to Christ. It gets us to chase after him, but it doesn't make us disciples. So the official says, he asks him a question. So here we, have a, we, we get a question and we get an answer. The question that this official asked him is, will you please come and heal my son? Now, it's amazing because this official would have, would have heard about Jesus, as the Bible talks about. He heard that this man did miracles. As a matter of fact, the first miracle that Jesus did was in Cana in the same place when he turned water into wine. So the official may have been there, but whether he was there or not, he would have heard about it. He would have known about it. Because everyone knew who this man was. Everyone knew who this official was. He carried rank, you know. He had clout. He had power behind him. So he had influence. So everything that was going on in the area, he would have known about it. 
So for this man to, for Jesus to come and turn water into wine, and then he makes his way back, now we're dealing with the issue when, when the official realizes, okay, I need him now because now my son's life is in jeopardy. So I'm going to make my way to him. And the official travels to him, and he asks him a question, will you please just come and heal my son? So the thing is, he already sees this happening a certain way. And I think when we read the scripture, we can relate to it because when we want God to do something, we see it happening a certain way. We see it in our own minds like, okay, Lord, I need you to heal me, or I need you to save my family, or I need you to promote me in, in, in a better opportunity or a better position. Whatever the need is, we see things happening a certain way, and this official would have seen it. He would have seen Jesus coming with him and healing his son. This is why he asked. And that's okay. A lot of times we can... That, that's just the way we think about things. It's important for us to see something a certain way, but we have to get past what we see and we have to rely on what Jesus is actually saying. See, the response that Jesus gives the man is go because your son will live. But that's not the question that Jesus asked him. Jesus asked, will you come and heal my son? So he's, he's relying on Jesus being next to him. He's relying on Jesus being with him. But Jesus is actually trying to get him to see it's not important that I be with you physically. What's important is that you trust what I'm saying. Uh, he's, 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 he's making a disciple out of this man. The expectation from this official was to see Jesus come with him. But Jesus wanted the expectation to be on the promise of the word of God. Because that is what builds and makes disciples. So when Jesus told him this, the Bible says that the man believed the word. He believed it. And he turned around and he left. And this is when I started reading and God just started showing me even more. Because now you have what Jesus has said. And now this man has to take what he said and get to the result. He's got to get to the result. Because the whole point is, is for his son to be healed. So as the man is going, he runs into his servants, and his servant says, the son, your son, is alive. He's living. The fever has broke. Now, it's amazing because the official, which would make sense that he could have just jumped for joy. He could have ran back with his servants. He could have said, yes, my son is healed. My son is no, there's no fever. He's no longer ill. He's no longer sick. He's completely healed. But the official asked a very interesting question. He said, when did this happen? And the servants answered, yesterday, about the seventh hour, the fever broke. 
And then it is the official that says that is when Jesus gave the word. So, yesterday, the fever broke, which indicates that it would have been at least a day's travel to get to where Jesus was. So it took time. The reliance that the official had on or the dependence that he was looking forward to was that when he asked Jesus to come with him, Jesus would have said yes, and then during that travel, Jesus would have been next to him. So whatever doubts, whatever unbelief, whatever things he would have been facing, he could just look next to him and see Jesus. Oh, man, Jesus is here. My boy will be fine. And then he could have had, you know, fear come and say, oh, man, I'm losing my son, but Jesus is with him. But he didn't have that. He had a word. So when he left Jesus, all he had to use as he's making his way back is the word that God has given him. But on his way back, I'm sure he would have had some thoughts saying to him, the enemy pressing into him, bringing doubt, bringing unbelief, bringing things like, your son's not going to make it. Yeah, you got a word, but look, you've already left Jesus. You're on your way back. And all this time in between is the crucial moment because that's when you have to fight what the enemy is bringing you. That's when you have to fight the thoughts of unbelief, the thoughts of doubt, the thoughts of Jesus said this, but how do I know this is really going to happen? If I had Jesus with me in physical form, then I would be okay because I know he can do it. But now I have to depend on what he's told me. So now I have to mature in the time between of what Jesus has said and what the result of what I'm looking for is happening. Do, do you understand? Do, does that make sense? Oh, I don't know if my mic is going on. See, it's moments that I look at even when I see this situation, even now for myself. And I'm sure anyone can relate. When Jesus gives us a word, there's that time between the word that we have to really fight with the word that God has given us. It's not a miracle because you can't fight with a miracle. You can't fight with a sign. You have to fight with the word of God. That's the only thing that will get us from what has been spoken to what the manifestation is of the promise that he has given us. This man focused on the word and he fought with the word of God because when the, te- when the servants came back and said to him, your son is alive, Jesus, act- well, the official actually said, when did this happen? He would have been so consumed with the word of God and what has been spoken that he was able to put together, Jesus said this, and when he said it, it was actually done. I didn't see it done, but it was done when he said it. I didn't see it happen, but it was done when he spoke it. Could Jesus have gone back with him? Absolutely. We see it over and over again. Jesus goes and he even heals, you know, um, 
whether it's the, the woman that touched his garment on the way to heal another child or Jesus went into the house, he touched people, he laid hands. But what's important here is that Jesus is actually trying to get him to depend on what has been spoken and what has been said. Because as Jesus has left, all we have is the word of God and his spirit. This is what matured this official. This is what matured him to becoming a disciple. I think we have to realize that the word of God, we have to take a lot more serious. And we can't rely on what our experience has been. It's good to pull from that. It's good to draw from your experience. We all do. We have to because it takes that to see faith. But the faith is actually in the word of God. We have to go from faith to faith. An experience in hindsight often becomes more clear as we go. And that gives us understanding. But we can't lean on our own understanding because what if our experience fails us? Just as we look for something to happen the way we think it should happen, guess what? It doesn't happen like that. Not all the time. Hardly ever. But the promise that Jesus gives us is eternal. It has to happen. It has to happen. That's what we rely on. This is temporal. But his word is eternal. The word of God actually is what changes and converts people. Even in the scripture, after this official, after this man who is amazing how it goes from being official to a father, you see the relationship, which is incredible. But he celebrates the word of God over celebrating the result that his son is healed. And we see that because Jesus gave this word, his whole family believed. That's what makes believers the word of God. It's okay for me to share what God has done for me in my experience. But if I'm actually not amplifying the word of God within my experience, then it doesn't give the person that I'm speaking to the chance to convert and to become a disciple of Christ. Jesus wants to make disciples. I want to end with this point. Two things, actually. It's not how we see it. What does this mean to us? It's not how we see it, but it's what God has spoken. We don't follow what we see or even how we see it. We follow the word of God. It is the word that teaches us to put our trust in him. And the second thing is celebrate what has been spoken and not so much the result. And and yes, do we want to see everybody healed? Absolutely, because that's the promise of the word. But we celebrate it because just as Cleb was saying, 
It's in the word of God. It is written. This is why we can get excited and become joyful even when we haven't experienced yet the fulfillment of being healed. Because we can come back to this and say, Lord, you said it. You said it. I don't feel it yet, but you said it. You said you would save my family. You said you would do it. You said I have healing. You said I'm saved. You've saved me. I don't see the full, the fullness of it yet, but I know within myself you've done the work. You said it is finished on the cross. It is complete. Hallelujah. That's, that's the surety of our faith. So when everything looks like it's going this way, we're still going this way. Because what Jesus has spoken, it's already done. So celebrate what he has spoken. Even when the result doesn't look the way you think it should. If you keep the attention on what God has actually said. And you amplify that. That is what will bring the world into the realization that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Jesus does not want us to see him for the miracles he can perform. He wants us to see him for who he is because that is, that is what makes us disciples of him. If I can get the musicians to come back. I really, truly believe that we are seeing and beginning to see a generation that is hungering for something new, for truth. And truth is, it's not an emotional high. It's not a trend, as I said in the beginning. The truth is we have to become disciples of Christ. And that's what Jesus wanted. That's all he wanted. Just as we've said before, if if it was all about just Jesus dying, then he could have done that when he was a baby. Same blood, same perfection, same fulfillment. But the point in seeing Jesus' life was to see what it means to look and become a disciple of Christ. This is what it means to die to yourself daily. This is what it means to walk a Christian life. I'm going to give you the blueprint. Well, what is the blueprint, Lord? The blueprint is me. And I'm going to show you how to do this. It's important that we all know in order for us to really get it, we have to surrender everything. We have to be disciples. And the world will know what it looks like to be a disciple of Christ.
Hallelujah. Let's just all stand. You know, this message may not have been an emotional height and, you know, a, a great, maybe not even a great revelation that you can walk with, walk away with and say, man, that just sounded amazing. I've been around, I've been around it. I've, I've seen, I've seen great speakers give great delivery but when you go back and try to get something out of it when it's substance that you need when it's something that you need that is going to get you from when you've been or received a promise to the result and it's that journey those crucial moments that you can't figure out what's happening and you're trying to understand how do I get through this? I'm alone. I feel alone. You're not alone because God has given you a word. But I don't feel like anyone's with me. But that's okay because now you know how to fight. You're a disciple. We have to raise disciples. And in order to do that, we have to be disciples. Jesus Father we thank you we thank you Jesus we thank you that you give us all each a personal experience with you we thank you Lord that you perform miracles we thank you Father that everything that we read in the word is active even right now we thank you Jesus because you do it. But we praise you, Lord, because you spoke it. We praise you, Lord, because you promised it. We praise you, Lord, because it came out of your mouth. And we have the written word to lean on. We have the written word to stand on. So no, no matter what happens in life, we can come back and stand on what you have said to us. Stand on what you have promised us. Stand on what you have spoken. So we thank you for our experience, but we celebrate you and we praise you because you have said it and we rely on you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I pray, Lord, as we end and as I even give the benediction now, Father, I just pray that there would be an increase in the hunger in our hearts for your word. An increase in our hunger to be matured by you, Lord. To become more of disciples and be seen like you, Lord. I pray that the, when the world sees us, they will see you. I pray, Father, there will be a thirst for you, Lord. To consume your word, to eat your word, to speak your word, to live your word. And no matter what the enemy throws at us, I pray that what comes out of us will be your word. I pray, Lord, that the faith will not fail us. Because as you prayed, Jesus, that Peter's faith wouldn't fail him, we can pray the same prayer. 
Our faith comes from the word of God. So, Lord, I just give the benediction, Lord, and I pray blessing over everyone here. I pray you will continue to reveal your truth of who you are to us in your word and through your word. And that we will see the growth in our own lives and that people will come to know that you are Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.